Hi, I'm Michael G. Williams, and welcome to Social Distancing Radio. I'm a novelist, and a reader and friend of mine asked if I would record myself reading one of my novels as something they would find comforting and familiar in the midst of the uncertainty and anxiety of the COVID-19 pandemic. I'll be reading to you from Perishables, the first book in my five-book urban fantasy and vampire series, The Withrow Chronicles, published by Falstaff Books, aka FalstaffBooks.com. If you'd like to pick up a copy for yourself, head over to bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y, slash Perishables link. That goes to Amazon. Thanks. All right, y'all. Let's get into episode 15 of Social Distancing Radio. Sorry that I missed all of last week, but uh, life at work has been pretty crazy and now it's calmed down a little. And so, fingers crossed that I'll be keeping this a little truer to the schedule that I promised before. Also, I've had an idea and I would be interested in your feedback. And when I say your feedback, it's entirely possible that I'm speaking only to you, Michelle, because it's entirely possible that you're the only human being who listens to this. Um... I was thinking about doing a like a monthly kind of thing where instead of social distancing radio, I do public domain radio. And what I'll do is have another writer that I'm friends with come on and they can read from their work for about five or ten minutes. And they can read from a public domain work that they love. It's usually going to be... Um, Sorry, I had a weird technical issue there. Um, I'd have them read from a public domain work that they love because that would be like some, you know, book that they loved in high school, something like that. Uh, And we could talk about that. So that would be interesting to me to hear other writers read books that they love. And it would fit in with the idea of me reading Dracula after this. So just thinking out loud what i'm actually going to do after perishables is i'm going to read some of my short stories um two or three of those and then i'm going to get into dracula so anyway just putting that idea out there just uh seeing what you think so on to episode 15 of social distancing radio i do have my reading wine and uh i am gonna take a big old sip of it oh that is good stuff Mm. Fresh from the wine cellar. Anyway, let's get into this. Uh, Let's get it fired up. So, let me get my Kindle Cloud Reader window open. And let's fire up part three of Perishables, The Doorbusters. The second zombie apocalypse started on Thanksgiving six years later at the front door of an all-night Uber bargains. Technically, it was two minutes after midnight on the day after Thanksgiving. I was just about smack dab at the head of a mob of people trying to get to a huge pile of cheap Blu-ray players in the first two minutes of Black Friday. 
We, quote-unquote, had been in line for two days, camped outside the store like refugees at a neutral border crossing. I have to say it like that with little air quotes and everything because in truth I'd simply shown up the first night and done my vampire hoodoo thing to implant this suggestion. That when I showed back up at the last minute, the people at the front of the line would remember I'd been there the whole time. I brought them donuts and coffee that first night to say thanks. I even introduced myself as Withrow instead of using a pseudonym. I'm not a total animal. I got to the store on Thanksgiving around 10.30 p.m. I brought a big plate of biscuits I'd made and a tub of turkey I'd roasted and carved. I also brought Smiles with me, of course. He was wearing the red service animal vest I'd bought him off the internet, so nobody would object to his being there. It might be hard to imagine anyone openly objecting to 150 pounds of Doberman when it's right there in front of them, teeth and all, but people are nothing if not full of surprises. I'd had that idea of getting him a vest one night after someone at the movie theater tried to say he couldn't come inside with me because of health codes and other assorted forms of bullshit. Now, whenever anyone looks like maybe they're pondering whether to point out how obviously not blind I am, I tell him I'm his trainer, and I say, he does really well with strangers who keep their distance, mostly. The biscuits and the turkey got passed around to all my hypnotically suggested pseudo-friends at the front of the line, and they gobbled them right up. I tossed a couple slices of turkey at Smiles so he could catch them out of the air one at a time and consume them in one bite. My placeholders were only too happy to eat our grub and watch our antics. A body who shows up with free food and a clever dog can get through almost any door in the world. What surprised me a little bit was the appearance in the parking lot on one of the concrete islands between rows of parking spaces of three tents and four slightly scruffy individuals, one of whom was holding a well-made handwritten sign reading, Remind me of the reason of the season, and another whose placard read, Occupy Thanksgiving. I wasn't so thoroughly out of the loop as to have no idea what the Occupy thing was, but I was pretty surprised to see them there for a whole mess of reasons. When I pointed and opened my mouth, one of my temporary friends from line, an African-American woman named Jolie, who was there to buy a TV for herself and a steam cleaner for her cat-hoarding mother, smiled and chuckled. I love those kids, she said. I don't have any objection myself, I replied, but I'm a little surprised the store hadn't run them off yet. Private property and all, you know. Jolie shrugged. Trespassing arrests in the parking lot don't put people in the shopping mood. They just got here around sundown. They're pretty smart about the timing. She tapped the side of her forehead with her index finger and winked. The funny thing about Thanksgiving is that it's always been a feast day for vampires, too. You wouldn't think so, maybe, what with so many mortals staying home or traveling to be with family and friends, loading up on tryptophan and then falling asleep in front of the Lions game. But that's probably because you're in the majority of people with somewhere to go and someone to see. The usual vampire haunts on any other night, the seedy bars, the dance clubs with dark corners, the alleys where the foolish or the unwary try to take shortcuts... They may see reduced traffic on a night like Thanksgiving, but the traffic they see is immeasurably safer prey. Not to pass judgment, but the truth is, some slob in silicone clogs in the parking lot of Hooters on Thanksgiving night is going to take a while to be missed. People disappear all the time. A million people are reported missing every year in America, and that's before we get to all the people termed Missing, missing. The people who disappear but no one knows or cares because of the circumstances they were already in when they vanished. 
And even though the statistics don't actually support it, the stereotype is that they do so around the holidays more than any other time of the year. Bottom line, it's easy pickings for my kind, and we are not universally the sorts to turn down an opportunity to get a little crazy once in a while. All of that changed the last couple of years, though. Some of us like to stay in, sure, and some of us didn't behave any differently than any other time, and I don't want to give the impression of some artificial uniformity of mindset among us because we're as different from one another as any other class of person. My point is the trend towards earlier and earlier openings for the day after Thanksgiving sales have started drawing us in, too, here and there. We may be the things that go bump in the night, but we like a bargain just as much as anyone, and I am certainly no exception. I'd gotten by on a VCR and a bunch of old VHS tapes, and some new ones I bought online because, friend, let me tell you, the internet is a new technology that has extended the life of nearly every old technology. But I'd finally gotten talked into upgrading by my cousin Roderick. Yes, vampires can have cousins. Southern ones especially so. Roderick told me what to look for in a new TV, and so I'd bought one of them online and set it up myself. The VCR looked like shit on it, though, and that's when he told me to go buy a Blu-ray player. There were no good deals online as good as the one I could get if I showed up for this sale, and it had been months since I'd played Tourist Among the Living. So I'd said, hey, why not? At ten minutes past eleven, a couple of managers from the store came down the line asking each of us, which of the big limited quantity deals we were there for and handing out those color-coded slips of paper as our tickets for each particular deal. I got handed a slip of green paper when I said I was there for the Blu-ray thing, and when I asked why they were using green instead of blue with kind of a smart-ass smirk, the woman handing out the chits gave me a look that could have made a kettle freeze over mid-whistle. Blu-rays get green paper, she said. Televisions get blue paper, vacuum cleaners get orange, and comedians get a sore lip. Would you like yours now or later? Then she smiled the sourest, sleepiest, most hateful smirk I'd seen on a mortal face in years. I loved it. And when I roared in laughter and everyone around me jumped, she actually allowed herself to look sincerely amused for just a flicker of a second. Her boss, I suppose, was standing in earshot and came chugging over with a look of panic on his face. What did you just say? He was a big fat fellow, not that unlike myself, but he had a squeaky little voice that made me want to put my fingers around his neck and squeeze it until he stopped making any noise at all. Talking, breathing, whatever. He turned to me and lowered his voice to a breathy, whistling whisper in hopes no one would overhear. Sir, I just heard everything, and I apologize for Jenny's behavior. He faced her again and squeaked, You're fired! Immediately! Go! Now! Before the woman could turn away or the man could say anything, I clapped a pudgy hand around one shoulder on each of them and looked deep into the boss's eyes. My voice had that little extra supernatural something behind it when I said, Jenny said nothing to offend me. I am a happy customer. I intend to purchase more than originally planned because of our interaction. My gaze flicked around to Jenny's wide, surprised eyes. I could see what she was thinking, not through some exceptional psychic power, but because I had seen that expression a hundred jillion times since 1977. Holy shit, Jedi mind trick. Before anything could settle in, I bored into her mind with my own and said, Stay sassy, Jenny. What surprised me was when her mind bounced back, like it was covered in bubble wrap. She said, crystal clear and in no way hobbled or befuddled by my attempt to force my will into hers, My name is Jennifer.
She gave the name tag a disgusted flick, but they already had one that said Jenny. She looked from me to her boss, who bore the thousand-yard stare of someone whose brain is still processing new instructions, then back at me. I'm not asking. I don't even want to know. She shook my hand off her shoulder, shoved a green scrap of construction paper at me, and said, Enjoy your shopping experience. Just like that, she was going down the line again. Her boss snapped out of it five or six seconds later and then said, Good work, Jenny? She wasn't there, but I was. I gave him a friendly grin. He returned it on autopilot and wandered off to collect himself. Smiles panted at his back in a friendly way. I looked at Jennifer where she was progressing down the line and shuddered. A mortal who could resist the hoodoo was one to steer clear of or to remember in minute detail. And that is a perfect ten minutes, I do believe, at which to end this segment of part three of Perishables, The Doorbusters. Um, I'm doing some experimenting with the technology on this for this reading, and so fingers crossed it all worked out well, but I do have my usual method as a backup just in case. And now I'm going to listen to it and see how it sounds. And uh, again, give me some feedback on that idea of doing public domain radio once a month. Something like that. Maybe twice a month. I don't know. We'll see. I know a bunch of writers. I bet I could get one of them to read something they loved in high school. So, um, like I said, let me know what you think. And join me soon, maybe even tomorrow, for Social Distancing Radio, episode 16. Talk to you later. Thanks for listening. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons, attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. The theme music is Plucked Contemporary Boom by Kara Square, available under a Creative Commons attribution license at ccmixter.org.